0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team
1: all right it is the fourth episode of high hopes and uh i am not john marks i should say afternoon drive host john marks as my co-host i will be leading the way today as uh i figured you know john gets to drive the afternoon show let's give me the silly podcast right johnny
2: yeah, I probably wouldn't be bad. Coming, <laughs> uh, like coming back here on, uh, on on Monday night, I guess is when we're we're gonna try to tape it. Now it's gonna be scattered during the the off season, depending on it with the holidays coming up. But hey, man, listen, I'm putting all my energy into doing afternoons with Ike Reese, and uh, so I figured that you a very. I mean, we're not talking about you hosting the morning show here. I mean, it, it's a podcast, but I feel like that, that that High Hopes is in very good hands with you leading the way. I like it. So I will be your Robin, Look uh, at Mr. That. Mr. Batman. Look at that. And I can't uh, I can't do any more nerd Marvel comic talk because I don't it. follow it. That so you it. guys, you well, and Jack Pritz
1: yeah, will have to do that. I think it. that was DC to begin with, so we're, oh, already, sorry. we're already on a bad hey, Well There you go. <laughs> I don't
0: know, you know, know what I'm talking and about.
1: Uh, in all seriousness, and I'm sure all our listeners agree, all oh, very excited for you, Johnny. I've Worked your ass off, and uh, very excited to have you in that spot at uh, at WF. Yeah, I
2: talked to I was talking to Ike today about it. Goes, oh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, I gotta after here, I gotta go back and uh, we do our podcast, our Phillies podcast, on Monday night. And like he half thought I was kidding around, or I was like, I was <laughs> I was fooling around with him. And I'm like, no, I James Seltzer and I do a podcast every every Monday. He goes for what? And I'm like, because when the Phillies get really good again. We're going to be looked at like Ricky Sanchez You're because we, right. we both love baseball, and we both love talking Phillies, and because we can't do a lot of that right now with the Eagles and, and probably in the spring with the Sixers, we can do it on here, and we've even hired a producer. This is how big time we are right now. We've, we've hired a producer. <laughs> hiring
1: quotes as well. As slash closer.
2: co-host. His pay is nothing,
1: <laughs> and I will
2: give him nothing but a hard time, actually, but Jack Fritz is... Uh, He's joining us joining today. Us tonight. He's tonight. sitting
1: there looking at us. Always up, uh, Fritz. We'll, we'll let him talk now, but generally better seen, not heard. But what's up, Fritz? <laughs> Is
3: that the case? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> all happy for John over here. We'll see if this changes here in a little bit. But yeah, you know, everyone's excited to talk about the Phillies because the Eagles are just coming off this big win. Who doesn't want to talk about a little bit of Phillies right yeah, now? Yeah,
2: people, I'm sure when we post this tonight, the podcast, yeah. people will run, not walk to the link. So <laughs> I would can, say record, record
1: numbers. Get ready. Numbers. Get ready. You know, the Eagles are good, so why not listen to Phillies podcast? Anybody
2: could have an Like, there's there's 773 Eagles podcasts in Philadelphia. There's only a handful of Phillies podcasts, so.
1: I like the sentiment. There's actually only one Philadelphia Eagles podcast in one podcast in general. but, well, but you, you know <laughs> no, what I mean. We always joke. That's our joke. But, um, uh, look, I think um, I think it's kind of the exciting thing, and we're diving in today. We're going to go through uh, a second base preview for the Phillies. We did our first base preview last time and goes through some of the general rumors surrounding the club right now. Of course, the hot stove's starting to get a little hot out there. Um, uh, but also, uh, I think generally the whole feel in the city is, is kind of a fun place to to start. Just the concept that you know, we are talking about a, a nine and one Eagles team and Carson Wentz kind of dropped out of nowhere. The Sixers are playing right now, and obviously, uh, when you listen to this, they're probably not playing. They could be, but it won't be this game. But we uh, we were watching the Sixers in the background and and Embiid and Simmons in that half against the Warriors, and there's such like excitement around this uh, Philadelphia sports team for the first time in a while. And I I really do think the Phillies are going to be that next wave of that, John.
2: Yeah. It's nice to, to see, especially when the whole Reese Hoskin things happen and him and Wentz are going back and forth on Twitter and everything else. Like there, there's, there's a number of young star type players in this city right now. And they all seem to get it. You know, they all seem to understand like, Hey, we're here in Philly. We're all young. We all understand. We're trying to win it. And, you look at the Sixers, you look at the Eagles with Carson Wentz, and Reese Hoskins has to be right up there as far as potential and what he's going to be able to do for his this team. And if they're able to get some of the younger guys coming up and then add the money, James, that that we know that they have to spend – uh, you got to get a little bit lucky. Their are prospects for a reason. But this has a really, really good chance of in a couple years. I don't know if it's going to happen as quick as happened with the Eagles, right. but in a couple years it could happen.
1: Yeah, well, most things shouldn't happen as quickly as happens with the Eagles because that was just out of nowhere. Like one year, just all of a sudden they're the best team in football. But, I mean, look, it can happen in baseball. I think it's more likely this is more of a slower, deliberate type of yes. slow burn type of build here. But um, I know we both feel very good about where it's at. And the fun thing about this, like where this Eagles team, while it is – really on the back of and Wentz, but there's a lot of, you know, there's still a veteran presence here. There are still guys who've been around. This Phillies team is really young. Like, this is a team that has the potential to really see a lot of kids grow together, which I think kind of adds an extra level of kind of excitement to the whole thing.
2: And we saw it happen, what, 2005? That's
1: exactly right. 2006.
2: 2006. Yep. Ch- Jimmy came up first. Chase came up after that. Ryan came up. He was added with Flying Hawaiian who was a Rule Five who got offered back to the Dodgers and the Dodgers said no. So then Shane spent a year at Triple A, was the MVP of Triple A, came up and earned a job the next year. Jason Wirth was a great signing by Pat Gillick. I mean, when you look at how that team was constructed over the course of two administrations, you can see why that they, they won. And they also had to have some of their best players in franchise history come up through their minor league system. And you see a lot of the same things, at least in in the minors as far as young potential players but now what you're gonna to have to have and this is where I kind of look at Matt Klintak and I I'm uncertain about him is can he be the one to make these trades you signed Pat Gillick signed Jeff Jenkins and it didn't work out he ended up being disappointing uh, he signed Adam Eaton didn't work out Jason Worth. um some of the other moves that he made with with Joe Blanton and Jamie Moore. The point is that you yeah. just can't go out and sign everybody with money and you're not going to be able to get everything you need from your farm system. You're going to have to make some good trades like Pat Gillick did. So Matt Clintech has his work on his hands too, but it's it's there. the the foundation is there. He's just got to take it and run with it.
1: A hundred percent. And like you said, a guy like Hoskins at the center of it. J.P. Crawford. I mean, there's such young talent here, and and also still a really good system in the minors. As we're going to get into our second base preview in just a second. You know, Scott Kingery, one of those names that we'll talk about. That that kind of the uh, the forefront of this youth movement here for the Phillies. So it is very exciting. John, did you know there are 87 days till pitchers and catchers report? Is 87 that, is that days.
2: It? Well, that means that there's about. 110 days till I am in Clearwater, Florida. Then you're
1: damn right. Because I
2: will be like last year. I got to the station working nights, and it was late. Like if I was still working nights, I think I would have been able to weasel the trip. Because that's like, hey, I'm working with the Phillies all year round. You got to send me down there. But now I know I'm going to be going down there this year, and I know what Clearwater's like in March. It's nice compared to what it's like up here. Yeah, about
1: approximately seven million five hundred sixteen thousand eight hundred seconds. Until they, until they report. It's One, ringing. two. Yeah, exactly. Three. Right? I'm pretty excited. It's good stuff. Uh, Valentine's Day. So, um, as the uh, uh spring training schedules released today and all that. So let's oh, get I into second that. base schedule here. Our second base preview here. and Fritz. If you want to chime in here on second base, we'd love to hear your thoughts. But let's start it off. Obviously, I think the big question, it's Cesar Hernandez was your second baseman for 128 games this past season. When he wasn't injured, he was your second baseman. And um, looks heading, at least as of now, to be the the favorite to be the second baseman. But obviously, a few little wrenches in this financial scenario here is Scott Kingery just mentioned. uh, Number three prospect in the Philly system, according to Baseball America, coming off a monster season between double and triple A. Really kind of raised his prospect status more than anyone thought. And and it's a big piece of this future here. So I, I personally think May, you know, as soon as that Super 2 status is passed, you're going to see Scott Kingery up here. We're starting to turn the page towards, you know, bringing these guys up and moving forward together. But it really does raise an interesting question with Cesar Hernandez because he was a really good player for this team this year. A three seventy three on on-base percentage out of the leadoff spot really became a much better leadoff hitter than I ever thought he could be.
2: Good defense. Uh, He actually
1: above average defender for
2: two ninety four the last two seasons. So he's not going to hit a lot of power. Last year he led the league in triples. This year down a little bit, but still, uh, you know what you're going to get with Cesar Hernandez, which was what you just said above average uh, defense. He's in a probably an above average hitter for what he is as a leadoff hitter. He doesn't do anything on the base path, even though as I look at his stats right here, he had 15 15 stolen bases. If if you want to be, if you want to disrupt things on on the base pass if you want to wreak havoc as a guy that's getting on base on the top of the order you need to have 35 40 stolen bases you need for pitchers to be looking worried about what you're doing every time you get on base and there's the commitment to that is not on hasn't been on this team mm-hmm. i don't know if baseball it's just never going to happen like that again I, see, I think to
1: a certain point but well, yeah
2: well here's here's my here's why i'll go to scott kingery for a second scott kingery isn't the fastest guy in the world scott kingery isn't going to steal 50 bases. Scott Kingery is a willing participant in knowing what he is, which is get on base and create havoc. And for me, Cesar Hernandez doesn't do that enough. He is a good player, so I don't know what they're going
1: to do with him. I... He's an asset. That's the thing. It's not something where you just say, all right, well, Cesar, move aside and we're going to bring Kingery up. Like, you're going to do something with Cesar Hernandez. I had posited when we kind of talked about our uh, episode one or two, our kind of macro view of this whole thing, talked about the potential for third base. Maybe you slide him over there. He's played there before in his career. And, you know, I'm not a, a huge believer in Mike Alfranco. I'm sure there are a lot of people with me Between on that. Between
2: JP and Cesar, you can have a third baseman and Kingery, for and that Kingery,
1: matter. Kingery, yes. Yeah. So, I, I had posited that. Then we hear potential trade rumors out there, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Angels. Apparently, quote unquote uh, extensive research on him they've been doing, according to Pedro Mora of the LA Times. So um what does I, that
2: incorporate? What does that entail? It, I was wondering the, int- the same thing. Like, like, you know, is like, checking it like his baseball They went a baseball yeah, reference, that's exactly right? Exactly what it was. Like, they wow, to, this go, this yeah. guy's good.
1: Wow. Let's him. Oh my god, look at all those home runs. No, Fangraphs.
2: Let's not be silly. They went to Are they smart enough to go to fangrass?
1: I mean, that come on. They did get rid of Matt clentac Um, but yeah, oh god, no, I think it's all right, so how do you feel? About when you look at the general situation here, you know, what kind of a deal would you be willing to move Cesar for, or would you be happier kind of keeping him here to start the season?
2: Well, I think part of the problem is we knew that they were shopping him. They had him on the market as they should have had him on the market last year, and they weren't getting the returns. The Phillies thought that they, because he led the league in triples and he batted near 300. I think the Phillies thought that there was going to be a, a more of a robust market for Hernandez than there was. So I can't see that there'd be this huge market for him. If you could get I mean they're not you're not going to get a top prospect for him. Yeah. I think the best case scenario is a team that says like, "Hey, listen, we have this major league player. Give me your major league player." Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who that is. I don't I don't know if it's going to be like a backup rotation starter. I don't know if I want a middle relief guy cuz I like the young arms that they have. Maybe it's a middle reliever. But I, I'm i not giving Cesar Hernandez away. I'm just not going to give him away to give him away. But I also realize that at some point, the rest of the league also knows that you have an abundance of, of middle infielders, mm-hmm. and there's only so much you're going to be able to do. So worst case scenario, I keep them all, and I let them fight enough for playing time.
1: Yeah, I agree. And look, if it, if it comes down to at least in the early part of the season a situation where it's, are you giving Freddy Galvez or or Cesar Hernandez playing time? I would certainly want Cesar Hernandez out there playing over Freddy Galvez, as well as with Mike Alfranco. So I do think Cesar has real value here, and, and value to another major league team. But I think you make a really good point about their leverage. I mean, that that's ultimately what it comes down to. And and if you're not going to find a deal because of that leverage that is worthwhile of trading Hernandez for, he's going to be more beneficial to you on your roster.
2: I'm going to ask this to you and Jack, and it's who's more likely to be traded this offseason. Is it... Freddie or is it Cesar? Because Freddie's last year of contract, but Freddie also a much more important position to where you. it's a plug-and-play. You bring him in at shortstop for one year, you don't even have to resign him, and if you send him to a team that only needs that shortstop and is a playoff contender,
3: he's the perfect guy f- for the team. So who who's more likely to get traded? Yeah, I think it'll be Cesar over... Over Freddie, and that's not a— per- like Personally, I, would, I think is obviously the better player, but I think Freddie, for some reason, I just feel like they really value him, and I think he can get more for Cesar because he's under more years of control and whatnot. And the Angels are a really interesting case because they have a bunch of starters with high upside that just have injury problems, like Garrett Richards, Tyler Skaggs, Andrew Heaney, mm-hmm. those kind of guys. And I think if you can get—you won't get Richards, I don't think. But no, if you can no, get, no, no, If no. you can take a fly- flyer on the Tyler Skaggs or an Andrew Heaney, it could turn into your Jake Arrieta trade where it's like you get these guys high upside and they turn into something here with that health. Because the, the Phillies need a high upside ace-like guy like the Arietta guy that they got for, who was it? Who they give a Steve Clevenger?
1: Oh, and, and uh, uh, who was part of the Arietta tree? Oriel,
3: Orioles and yeah, Cubs. Yeah, to the yeah, Orioles and Cubs. I can't remember who else it was, like but it was
1: someone, it was someone just but, useless. But
3: taking a shot on a high upside guy would be my plan for C- Cesar Hernandez or a dominant, not dominant, but a high upside middle reliever guy as well.
2: I'd ra- I agree with you and I'd rather take a ch- I'd rather take a chance as opposed to getting a fourth or a fifth outfielder or like a quasi starter which I don't even know where they'd start cuz this roster is pretty much set. I'd rather take a chance on a guy that's like, hey, he's got the potential there, but can he put it together? Because you've seen guys that just something happens and it clicks and they get with the right pitching coach and they put it together. Yeah, I mean,
1: Jake Arrieta, like Jake a perfect Arrieta. example. This guy who in Baltimore did not look like a major league pitcher and wins a Cy Young a couple Didn't years ago. Didn't look you know? like that, that's for sure. Yeah, and he is he's a legit, legit ace-like pitcher and, and always had this stuff. So I'm a big change of scenery guy in all sports. I totally, totally buy into that. And I think baseball, you see it more than any other sport. I mean... The list goes forever of guys like Brandon Phillips and guys who just don't work in a certain place, get traded somewhere else, and then it works for them. So, I really like the idea. I'm a big Skaggs guy. Heaney talented, too. I really like Tyler Skaggs. He's a talented left-hander. Um, so I think there's some some potential upside there. I like the idea, though. I think, look, I would love to trade Freddie, too. I do think there's going to be, as you said before, a more robust market for Cesar Hernandez out there. I just think he does more for a team. Freddie, like, I get, yeah. how, I get how Freddie is a perfect piece for the right team, but it's got to be that exact right team for that fit. And, I, and again, Freddie, like... He's a bad hitter. Like he's a bad hitter. I don't you know? disagree, but and he also
2: has some pop, which Sazer totally, doesn't. Totally, and that's why I, I, I might be wrong here, but the fact that they weren't able to get make a trade work last year, they were asking too much. Yes, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, how many, how many teams are actually in the market for a good second baseman that's good defensively and doesn't have a lot of pop? It doesn't really steal a lot of bases. Like, what's the market for a guy like that? I'm sure. I'm sure there's teams out there that want him, but what's the price?
1: Well, it's one of those things where I think you know his actual real life value is a lot more than his perceived value, right? Like, it's the kind of thing where he's kind of bland. When you look at him, it's like, oh, well, he just doesn't do anything great, but he gets on base at a 37% Does a lot of I things mean, good. That's a really good player to have. Above average defender at second base is a valuable thing to have. Plus, he offers you versatility, like we talked about. He can move around the diamond a little bit, play other positions. So, I personally like, if, if you give me uh, you're starting a team and you're starting it with either Cesar Hernandez or Freddie Galvez, first of all, that sucks. But second of all, I'm going Cesar. I, I would start yeah. Was Cesar for Freddy? So at least I would think the market would be a little more.
2: He's a better uh, overall you know. player, and his WAR is 3.1, which is for 2017. So that's good. It's I don't. Pretty solid.
1: I mean, he's had back-to-back three pl- over three WAR years. I mean, that's that's very strong for a guy at his position. You know, it's a very strong.
2: Jack Fritz Back is also in our ears. analytic department of High Hopes yeah, as Jack, well, Jack producer is our, and analytics yeah. and third microphone. Yeah,
1: basically. Big math guy. Yeah, well, Jack's going to Jack's <laughs> going to be creating our own stats for us, so it's going to be special stuff. You thought launch angle was a big deal? Just wait for the stuff Fritz comes up
3: with. Yeah, see, I'm an eye test yeah. guy. Oh no, you're Pat He's a scout. I'm all about the launch
2: angle. That's the, the my. That's tests. my favorite.
1: A new one. It's a good one.
2: Yeah, it's a good one.
1: Well, it's funny, too. And I do think, though, just speaking of launch angle, I do think, though, to your point about Freddie's power, does that maybe mitigate a little of that value just because kind of everyone's hitting home runs right now so that the, you know, shortstop who could play defense— Maybe it's a few more home runs than he used to. Maybe a little less value from that. A lot perspective. of
2: you're right. A lot of there's people. People. I I have discussions. I had discussions this weekend about baseball. They're like, well, have, they're they're hitting home runs at, a, at record clips, but no one has seventy home runs. And it's like, yeah, because there's not bonds juiced up. There's. 50 people hitting 20 home runs. Uh, Everybody hits 15, is, 20, Gallus 20 Gallus home runs. Freddie is exactly. hits those home runs. Yes, it does.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. I think it matters. It
2: all depends supply and demand, man. Exactly. And, and it all, all about depends. That. All you need is one team that says, we really like Freddie. We really need a shortstop. We don't want to commit long term. We're willing to give this piece up, which is probably more than we should get up, but we're trying to win. All take sometimes is a relationship between two GMs. Yes. Like Howie Roseman. Howie yep. Roseman does relationship. Deals with freaking Mike Tannenbaum of the Dolphins and, and Minnesota. Te- those two and teams Minnesota. And he just
1: keeps killing them.
2: So I, I don't know if Clint Tech has these relationships.
1: I think you made a really interesting point there, though, about you know the home runs and the way the game is and stuff. And I do think that before your point about the stolen base guys, I think there is maybe a potential for a bit of a turnaround again because. You know, the, the, guys like that really can create havoc. Like, I remember Kenny Lofton back in the mid-90s. Like, that dude changed baseball games with the, with his speed, with the way he ran the bases. You don't see guys like that in the same way anymore.
2: Going back to when I was, for whatever reason, I was a. I loved Lonnie Smith when he was a Philly. And then when he went to the you Cardinals. That, like,
1: you love him so much, I've heard you say about a million times. My favorite Philly. Yes, exactly. Lonnie <laughs> Smith
2: was my favorite Philly five years old. And he went to, uh, he was in St. Louis, I think, by like 1983, So I became a Cardinals fan as well. And Cardinals had Willie McGee and Vince Coleman. And Vince Coleman was really like the—and you had Ricky Henderson— and you had real base dealers. Real base but dealers. I remember the split screen, and it's so prehistoric if you find any of it online on YouTube. But they had the split screen of the pitcher, like look like the home plate angle from the from the outfield of the pitcher, and then a split screen of Vince Coleman on first base being held on oh, by the I first love baseman. It. Love and then it. but when you have a guy that's stealing over a hundred bases every year, mm-hmm. which is what Vince Coleman did. Pitchers are very, very concerned about him, Absolutely. and it becomes such a cat and mouse game. And th- th- even if the even if you're not getting the stolen base, if the pitcher's not concentrating on what exactly he's doing right. it, to, with the batter, it's such a huge deal. And if everybody's looking for value, like in every sport, you look for value in draft picks and free agents. There's analytics or whatever. What is what's a, a a better value than a stolen base? You can turn a walk into
3: a double, yeah, like that for free. Pretty much. No, yeah, but it, takes, a, it takes a guy off the base pass, though. Yeah. Which is the other, which is the argument and why it's going down every year. That's why you don't see those guys anymore.
1: Right. But if those guys were, were good at converting stolen bases.
3: It's just that baseball has changed the upside thing. Where it's like right, taking you that want guy the off on the base our, well, and pass. And also
1: because of the home runs, it's all a self fulfilling prophecy. You want a guy on base because you're hitting more home runs. That runs a run that scores on a home no, run every I, single time, wherever they are.
3: And I'm a small ball guy too, so like thing has gone as well. Yeah, uh, like it's stolen so bases and bunting. Because they don't want to
2: give up in a bat right. for where they get hit a home yeah, run. and, and I, that's what baseball is, I think is. That
3: You're they're
1: right, missing Jack. the soft, the soft stuff that you don't think about the 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 frazzling a pitcher, the keeping the defense on its heels. Like that type of stuff matters to me. I think, and I think that, like you just said, all of analytics, sabermetrics, you know, Moneyball, it's all about finding margin market efficiency. It's all about finding something that other people aren't doing and using that as a way. To take advantage of you know your sport, or, of your opponents, all that type of stuff. So, I, like I, I really think that that is a, an area that potentially could be probed more. At least, at least if nothing else, base running. Like we have not seen teams, you know, shifts have been the most recent kind of team thing where it's like the you know Joe Madden shifting every play. Right, right, the, right. I think base running is is kind of under underutilized in a way. I mean, people care about it but not in the way where I really think you could create some mismatches and advantages through it.
2: Will uh, Vince Coleman his first 3 years in the league, 110, 107, 109 insane. stolen bases. It's insane. It's amazing. Then 81, 65, 77 and then it went straight downhill yeah. to where 91. But like he really it, it made an impression on me as a kid to where like baseball has changed obviously and I don't know if it's ever going back to that type of era but The Vince Coleman's of the world can can work in any air. And if you get a guy, and it's not about Scott Kingery stealing 60 bases. Mm-hmm. It's about Scott, Scott Kingery stealing 25 bases. Yeah, and, or and 20 going bases. first to
1: third and going, you know, all that type of stuff and rattling and getting leads where your pitcher, even if you're not stealing a base, if the pitcher is constantly checking on you, constantly aware of you, like that throws him off. Groove a of
2: fastball where yes. he's not paying attention and that could be a home even run. Even
1: if you're bluffing, it's just about being smart on the base passes and using it to your advantage. You mentioned Scott Kingery though. Uh, let's get into him as well because I think if we're going to... Talk about the second base preview. Maybe you should start with yeah, him. We not, yeah, we probably should have because I think that you know, if you have to say if we that all three of us said who will finish the season as the Phillies' second baseman, it's absolutely going to be Scott Kingery. So, um, do you think it is as simple as as soon as he has passed that super two date, he is up, or is are we going to see another Reese Hoskins type of situation where it's like he should clearly be up and for some reason not?
2: Up? I'm wondering if they're going to try him at third base. At all, interesting. which would make a lot of sense. We know JP kind of nowhere. He can handle third base. We also don't know if maybe Franco's getting moved in the off season. I think if, if
1: they can, they probably will, right? They, they I mean,
2: can. It's just if they want to, what kind of a return are they going to get? You would feel like that. Then that if you traded Franco, you'd almost have to take back a similar project, like Mm -hmm. a guy that has a lot of potential. it's another change
1: of scenery thing, right? Right. Yeah,
2: Yeah, maybe a a hitting coach or somebody gets to him. But I'd be surprised if Kingery wasn't the starter by the end of the season. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they brought him up and between Kingery, J.P. Crawford, Galvis, and Hernandez, that you have a bunch of guys playing a bunch of positions. Galvis is playing shortstop, but you know what I mean. Like Crawford Mm -hmm. will get a starter to here and there and there. Bottom line is the Kingery has shown that he can do it, and he's got the major league bat. He's not going to be a power hitter. He's not going to hit thirty home runs like it looked like this year. He's going mm-hmm. to hit. He's going to hit fifteen to twenty. He's a gap hitter. He's a, he's a second. He's a. He's a. He's a doubles machine. He's going to hit, have timely hits. He's not doesn't have great on base percentage. He's not a big walker, which I don't necessarily like. But for what he does and what he brings to the team, he's an instant improvement. And he'll drive in close to 100 runs every year, 70, 80, 90 runs, depending on where they have him in the order. But he can help year one. Oh, I think
1: so, too. I think he's a, a high-in-the-order type of guy. and hitter look- Two-hitter. I think two hitters a really good spot for him. Yeah, that, that leadoff kind of, hitter. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think J.P. Crawford is lead more of a type of leadoff hitter down the road type of guy. I mean, he's gonna have a 400 on base percentage type of you know career. You know, theoretically, like that's a little high, but you know what I mean. Like he has that kind of potential, Crawford, in terms of his ability to get on base already, um, and and faster. Uh, but I think you make great points about Kingery and his headiness and the way he plays the game and also to kind of just uh, you know warn people a little bit that like you know he went on that run with the homers and stuff but you know he's not he's not a a power hitting second baseman per se like he's got some pop but that's not his game it's like 5 for 10 exactly and like don't get me buck wrong buck 80 I mean, Jose Altuve just won the MVP, so things can you know things can happen you don't expect. But I'm with you. I think that Kingery that that's kind of the the projection for him more. Jack, um, I mean, I know at least as you're talking about here. For me, I think J.P. Crawford, and we're going to get to our shortstop preview next week. But I think J.P. needs to be starting there from day one. We'll see if that happens. How do you feel about Kingery kind of in relation to the whole you know mess as it were that we're talking about here between this middle infield spots?
3: I mean, I, I'm a big Kingery guy, but I think he had strikeout problems once he got up to A last year, and the, the OEP thing was a bit of a concern. So I'm not totally sure I'd bat him two-hole. Like, I like Aaron Altair as my two-hole hitter.
1: Oh, I, I'm talking long-term. No, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm talking, like,
3: a lineup when he comes up next year. I like mm-hmm. Kingery, like, in the five. Yeah. The five-ish. Six, Maybe even range.
1: six, seven range yeah, when he first let comes him, up. Yeah, let, let him
3: ease into the lineup. Unless I agree. you're Pete McKinnon and have Hoskins bat seven, <laughs> and then the next game have him as your cleanup hitter, even though he went over four.
2: Yeah. Unless is, you want him to see some fastballs. It depends. I mean, it, it you can switch that around so much no. where they hit, but I mean, you're right. I like him at two because he's not a, a guy that walks and he likes to
3: swing, but that also works very well at five. Yeah. So um, you could definitely stack that at five. The trading Franco thing is really interesting because, like, do you really trade him right now?
1: Well, yeah, you're trading him at the, 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 the nadir of his value, right? And I like mean, it's if like... He,
3: if he figures it out, like, it's just like that could be... A, a franchise-changing movie. Yeah, he's never going to figure it out. like that. I don't that. think he is. He, it, it, it ain't happened. Then, look,
1: brother. and I, look. All right, here's the thing. If you like John Maley maybe is is really a wizard and can come in and get him to figure it out. But I mean the approach, and it's like the consistency of the same mistakes over and over and over again, and the same it's lack. Not changing of, anything. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care that he's not changing anything. I mean, like even you know a guy like Alfaro who. Will never be mistaken for a Walks machine. At least we saw somewhat as the season went along. We saw some progression. We saw some, a change in his approach. Yes. We've been watching Frank over years now and, and we've seen literally none well, of that.
2: And I'll agree with Jack on this is that I also don't think that it's time that you, you trade him just to trade him. Absolutely. And not. If, unless you're getting, sometimes you can make trades that make sense for both teams mm. and if you can do that to where we were talking early, earlier you get a guy that's like it would make sense it's a it's a it's a position of need they could use Franco they could develop him the bottom line is the dude has unbelievable raw tools and when he does hit the ball and make solid contact it goes a really long way so I'm not moving him just to move him in the right trade I would definitely move him do I think that he's going to Figure it out, and it's gonna click. No, I don't. I don't think I. Maybe for a half of a season or something, I'm like totally giving up on them yet. But I, I I'm not. I'm not expecting much. And next year, if he does the same thing he did this year, he's going to lose his job. And yep. we already saw that they're going to quickly. be willing to do that quickly. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't yeah. think I don't think he has a long hook. But you're right. And and look, he's with 25, 26, you know. I mean, he still has not reached his physical athletic peak, theoretically. Like, there is still the upside there. Like you said, I mean, his wrists are so quick. Like, he can turn on a ball so fast. Uh, but... I mean, just the 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 lack of, of dedication to the craft, to to the approach to changing it so far. For me, at least, John, I'm with you. Like, certainly not here. I don't ever expect him to really have a, a successful career here. But I do agree with Jack. I don't think I don't think you're gonna trade him now because I just don't think you're gonna find that deal out there. I don't I don't know where there's a, and and if it is teams are going be beating project.
2: down your door for yeah you know like, that's oh we need him. But I do,
1: here's the thing: I do think that there are teams that would want to take a shot on him Absolutely. for all the reasons we're saying. You know, the talent, the skills, they're all. There, but the the point is that that you're not going to get anything worthwhile for the to right do it.
2: price. Every team would in absolutely. in the majors would want him.
1: Absolutely, why wouldn't you? But
2: the Phillies aren't just going to. You got to believe you got to look away. at the
1: tools and the age and say, oh, I can fix him because that's what they do. That's why they're in these spots.
3: But the Phillies are a rebuilding team, so why shouldn't they let him develop theoretically? Here? You're absolutely so right. Like, if another team's going to take a shot on him, to, well, the to, reason
1: they shouldn't, and you and you know, it's a change of regime and a different pitching yeah. hitting coach. So like you, that's why you would could convince yourself to buy in or whatever, but the reason you don't is cause you say we've seen it. We know. We we we've watched this guy for years. I'm
3: not quitting him until I see him close his stance and if I know because if he, if he if he can't close his stance and still can't hit, then I'll give up on him. But like after I saw Giancarlo Stanton close off his stance and hit sixty five homers this year I'm not done on Franco yet. All
1: right, look at that. And so we basically, Giacolo, Giacolo basically Stanton, just said huh? no, Mike no, Franco I'm is the next Giancarlo Stanton. Quote unquote. Jack Fritz hit him up on Twitter. Yeah, but but they but I've heard I heard Pete McKinnon
2: talk about how they're trying to get him to go the other way. And a lot of times he hel- he says to himself, maybe I should just tell him to try to pull everything because he it, it's not he's not. He's not put, putting stuff the other way. It's and, not and, and he's trying. It's not working. So, like, why not? Just make him a deadpool yet. hitter.
1: Like, if that's what he wants to do, do it. it can't be much worse, that's for sure, from an on base percentage perspective, at least. Um, you mentioned Stanton. Uh, uh, so, that's our second base preview. More on Mike Franco coming up in our third base preview. So, we'll continue to preview the positions heading into the winter meetings and all that good stuff. But um, speaking of kind of rumors, and you mentioned Stanton, it does look like the Phillies likely out on Stanton, I think, which we all kind of expected them to be. Crowded outfield didn't really make a ton of sense. Obviously, the onerous contract. But there were a few other rumors uh, come out over the last week. One that makes even less sense than Giancarlo Stanton, if that's possible. Uh, According to, and and legitimate people connecting them here, John Heyman originally and John Morosi backs it up, saying the Phillies interested in D.H. Carlos Santana, John, not the the guitarist.
2: Well, you know, I... it's interesting that they both say the same thing and I'm not going to I'm not going to say that these guys are throwing stuff against the wall because yeah you know a lot of times this year there's just a lot of rumors and like you said a lot of connecting the dots like Okay, this team needs a starting pitcher. Yep. Here are the top three starting pitchers on the market. They must have interest this in a starting money. pitcher. This guy's going to cost right.
1: money. ipso facto.
2: It's weird that it makes it makes such little sense. That maybe it makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> like sure, it, why it not? makes such little sense that the Phillies would be in on Santana. Then why yeah. is the name? Being why is the name even there? Being totally. put out there. No,
1: that that uh, look. I think. Um, it would and be to also, play first
2: base, sure. and then Hoskins would play left field.
1: Which I, I think would be a gigantic mistake. And we talked about it a little last week when we did our first base preview. that Unless know, they like him in left field, uh, James. Man, I know, but he, I, I don't think he's a left fielder. But they might. It's possible. He's I, better
2: than the bat out there. Pat the bat, well, isn't he? I, I, well, he's he's is more athletic? athletic.
1: High praise.
2: Than well, Pat, Pat turned himself into a... An okay defensive okay. player. Yeah, you he were, was okay. You were, go,
1: you were thinking like he's better than Greg Luzinski. You're mediocre. You ended up at okay, and you're probably being right. a little generous there.
2: All right. Yeah, he's in there for his <laughs> bat, but I agree. Like right. all else being equal, you want him to be your first baseman. But if you have a chance to add a guy to play first base, I think he can be more than adequate in left field. I I don't know about the guy they're looking to at the to first base and how much money you're going to have to pay right. him. I don't and really then, like the and idea. What's, yeah,
1: I think. Look, I think if they're signing Carlos Santana, I think they're doing it in the same vein. That they signed Howie Kendrick last year, obviously a little bit bigger ticket, as it were. But they're signing him to try and trade him at the deadline. I think that's the most likely scenario in that type of situation. A team that needs a power hitting first baseman, a power hitting DH, whatever. I think that's the only reason you bring a guy like that in.
2: Well, it's all, it'll also be interesting to see what happens with the market this year because you remember there were a lot of a lot of players that deep into. I mean, spring training. Bautista wasn't even signed in, yeah, in the beginning no, of spring training, super right? super
1: late. Remember, that was the thing with the the Edmund Encarnacion signing, where Toronto offers him the contract, and then he says no, and they sign Kendris Morales— and then it's like, oh wait, no, I, I still am I'm still interested. And then the Indians get him at a discount. It was really a strange market for the Bower Raters last strange year. Strange
2: market and you saw a lot of names that were still there towards the end. And I guess it's actually how why Michael Saunders ended up in Philadelphia because there wasn't a market on mm-hmm. him. Gee, I wonder why.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so it'll be interesting to see the strategy that the Phillies have because they do have money and would they be willing to go a little bit deeper with a player that say hey listen we're not going 3 years but we'll give you more for that one year yeah. than you're going to get in other places and then you're right back on the market next season it's weird how 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 free agency has changed in totally. baseball like it really really has so i'm wondering if clentax up with that and he can make a couple of smart signings mm-hmm. it, you know he's he he struggled last year, in my opinion, uh, with his offseason moves, what he did. Some of them worked out, but we'll see what he can do this year.
1: Yeah, I think, look, and we've talked about last season, I like the moves a little bit more than you, and I thought they were very clearly for that purpose. They also didn't really spend much money last off-season, So, you know, you can rip the Saunders signing, but that's pretty much it. Like, no one else really cost any money whatsoever. It was all really low-budget type well,
2: stuff. I mean, I was talking about the trade the trade that they made for um, for what's-his-nuts from... From Boston, that I'm blanking on right
1: now. Oh, Clay Buckholz. Yeah, Buckles. but they gave up an org guy. Like, they gave up a guy who was a 24 year old. Jo- Josh single Tobias. Guy. Yeah. No,
2: they, he, they gave up the yeah. second baseman, Josh Tobias, yeah. because they had other guys in front of him. Well, and he's not yeah.
1: ever going to play in the major leagues, is the point. Josh he,
2: Tobias. He may be a major league player. He had a pretty good year at, t- at AA this year. Google Josh Tobias and see what he did. You know, Josh Tobias was a guy. <laughs> Josh if, Tobias. If you, get, if you get drafted as a senior out of college, you have, no, his names. you have no leverage. And he signed for 10 grand. You would think he was like a fifth or a sixth round draft pick when you look at how other guys are slotted now and they're like oh well you know we're, we're gonna pay a lot more money because sure. he he made a ten thousand dollar signing course so he got totally screwed yeah but, but um I, I, but anyway. look and
1: regardless that uh, point being not minor moves for the most part like not any yeah, but how about you, make, how about you make a
2: move eating salary and it works? That's all I'm saying. Like, mix some sure, of those totally. things that work well, as I mean, opposed the, to bringing in I buckles. I think the Kendrick
1: signing worked. I think the Nishik signing worked. Nishik was a great trade. Worked. I think those all worked. I mean, you got something for them. Like Nishik worked. Yeah, well, he was good. Yeah, I mean, he was your I best agree. reliever yeah, for was, a long your, time. Your, 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 2017 All Star. I, I think
2: he was kind of a, a Richard. Oh, he's a total Richard. And people didn't really like him. Total because Richard because he, he didn't do back to backs or whatever yeah. the rumors I heard about him. Allegedly, yeah. Only like to pitch one inning when he wanted to pitch, but yeah. that's beside the point. Pete McCann acted like a sissy dealing with it. Yeah, but, Pete did. Pete uh-huh. needed to
1: be tougher with that. He Larry Bow like, would, right, would have choked him out. Yes, it would have been on <laughs> leading sports center. Yeah. Larry Bow was like chokehold against the wall with Nishak, like. Oh. That totally would have happened.
3: There are some big money contracts out there that are available if you want to make like a a Sixers-ish hinky move, like the Ellsbury deal. Like, if you can get, go for the Ellsbury deal, it's a smart
1: take, thought to take off to get a prospect to take a get contract. Like,
3: try to get like Miguel Andujar, even though yeah, they have the like Yankees a bunch of The Yankees are third not best.
1: ideal for that, obviously, because they just don't mind paying off no, his no, contracts no. so as much. But it's a really good thought. And
3: like Michael Brantley, they're trying to get rid of, rid of, rid of that contract yeah. that's $12 million next year. Well, yeah, you deposited
1: to me to get Salazar. I would do that in a second. Well,
3: it was, well the, the, the idea was Cesar Hernandez would come in and play second base, they'd move Kittness to the outfield. And then Which we they t- pretty much already have anyway. Right, and then yeah. we would take back Danny Salazar and Michael Brantley, and they get out of the Brantley deal, and we get a high upside Danny Salazar. Salazar.
1: See, and that's the thing you were talking about before. Danny Salazar is the exact type of guy the Phillies should be trading for. A very high upside arm who hasn't been able to either put it all together consistently or stay fully healthy on the field. But, like, Danny Salazar is a, you know, if healthy, lead the league in strikeouts kind of pitcher if he's healthy. You know, he's that kind of nasty stuff. So, Fritz, I really like that name. And I think that's the general type of guy um, that they should be going after. Speaking of uh, going to the middle relievers, but a similar type of guy of a a high upside middle reliever who I – I like a ton. Uh John Rossi also reporting in on Jake McGee. I'm a fan of Jake McGee.
2: Yeah, I guess one one solid veteran guy that even maybe if they were uh
1: Patrick, we just talked about
2: it. it they're they're signing the one-year contract. I mean, I'm sure they're going to do that. I would, oh, what I, it would be. I, I would sign a couple of guys with clear <laughs> intent on trading them at the trade deadline. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm. I really like the, some of the young Phillies arms in the bullpen, and I want to make sure that they get plenty of opportunities. But having a veteran in there like that would probably work pretty well.
3: Totally agree. And, and McGee's like what a, a year or two removed from getting a monster deal from the Rockies, yeah. so maybe get him back like a little bit too a little cheaper. Two years maybe yeah. For, and for look,
1: him. he and he's a good pitcher, man. He's closed before. Not that you know you. You don't have a set type of thing there. and uh, Mickey's a really nice—that's the type of guy that, I, again, for that Neshek type of move, it's a guy who can help you or can be a piece that you could trade at the deadline, which really can bring back value. And and also, like, not commensurate value, right? Like, you sign Pat Neshek for whatever, a couple million dollars, and you trade him for—, for a potential someone who can help you, like legitimately help you, or more so for you know dollars in the dra- international dollars, like that type of stuff is far more valuable than the two, three, four million dollars you're paying that middle reliever for that. Season. No,
2: you're right, and and Klintak definitely understands that. He made the trade or he made the deal where he claimed the 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 player off of the who the, what was his Wana-Kosu. name? The, the Pirates. Like, that was a
1: great. That was a great he, move. He
2: more or less bought a prospect Be- by because
1: they couldn't afford picking to him, him up. And, then exactly, and, and a good him. prospect, like a top 10 prospect. One for of the their Cardinals. top prospects. Yeah, so like a legitimate legitimate move. Yeah, because the
2: Pirates, out of spite, didn't want to make the trade, so they just gave the, him to the Phillies, which is the it's dumbest exactly what thing that happened. They, had, just, they got nothing. The Phillies for just him. had
1: the first waiver claim because they We were supposed to trade it to
2: the same team that they wanted him in the <laughs> getting the card awesome awesome so I, he could he can see it's like jack was saying with the whole hinky thing there are ways that you can use your low payroll and hey you're gonna spend the money then do it on a player that you, doesn't even matter if you you want but get something else in return
1: it, it, well, and that's the point of it that's the beauty of it. and the hinky is a is a kind of a great way to put it it's funny how that's just becomes the process yes James. baby yes all right uh lastly before we get out of here um, I wanted to talk quickly about the Hall of Fame ballot release. Do, does anyone care about the MVP and Cy and all that? We don't really care that much, right? Congratulations. No, I don't, Congratulations, Jose so Altuve, and we can just move on. Um, I, or, like, I like Altuve. I'll, that's I'll say why that, I said yeah. it. Yeah, I love him. Like, and also, I mean, Aaron Judge and, and Cody Bellinger may be the best pair of Rookie of the Year How winners. That? Numbers. So wise, maybe we do want to talk about hey! it, goddammit. We just we did. We did. That was fun. Corey Kluber and Max Scherzer are both good. All right. Um, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame, though, because these are guys, you know, it's fun, John, and, and, you know, Jack is, like, you know, five years old, so he can't get this yet, but, like, yes. you and I understand now, like, we're at the point in our lives where the last few years, it's really guys we spent our whole lives watching play baseball who are up for the Hall of Fame, and that's a different kind of thing than when you're in your 20s, and you know you don't have that frame of reference. Maybe some kid, you guys, when you were a kid, you know, retired when you first started watching, whatever. You know them, but
2: you don't really know exactly.
1: Him. Like these are guys we know, and and this year the 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 big names. One of them connected to Philadelphia, obviously Chipper Jones on it, but Jim Tomey, up for the Hall of Fame for the first time this year, and, and Omar Vizquel, the other big name of the new guys. Um,
2: yeah, Freddie Galvis, senior, will make it. I don't know if he makes it <laughs> the uh, you know his first year. I actually th- were you was that were you working or? Was it, who was working when I got the phone call that, that said that Freddie Galvis was better than uh, was a better player than Viscallo? And I'm like, better than a f- probable Hall of Famer? Like, oh, okay, ridiculous! Anyway. Like, come on,
1: better than the second best? Well, maybe Andrew Simmons better, but second or third best defense.
2: Jim Tomy is a surefire Hall of Famer. He was, a, you know, a great power hitter, albeit a DH, really for for a lot of his career. He 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 played a while. He hit a lot of home runs deep into his 30s. He was a consummate professional. Everybody loved him. He took a big contract in large part because the union needed him to take the contract in Philadelphia. Yep. He, he didn't really liked Cleveland. And he didn't. He, he didn't. really didn't. And the like, Phillies kept offering years and more money and everything else and he knew that he kinda had to do it. Uh, but Jim Tomey was just one of those good guys that you're rooted for that also could hit monster home runs. I remember going to the vet. Moonshots. Him hit home runs in the vet where it was like, yeah, guys didn't hit home runs like no, this at the man. vet that I saw in my lifetime. I mean, it's just consistent bombs. <laughs> so, he'll get in. I don't know if it's the first year. I don't really file the Hall of Fame that much, but he'll get in.
1: That's what sure. I, you had asked before, is he a first ballot? And I, look, he's all Hall of Famer, and, and he's going to get in. I think his best chance, I think he's the kind of guy who probably wouldn't normally get in on the first ballot just because they like to punish Guys, for some reason, because like you Babe know, Ruth didn't get in. You're not or, or something. you're not a Hall of Famer this year, but you are next year, even though you did absolutely nothing in that year. But sure, that makes a whole ton of sense. The Hall of Fame's a disaster. We don't need to get in. It's like my biggest pet peeve in all of sports is the baseball Hall of Fame. But um, I think that um, I think the chance he has is that he, like you said, John, like he was loved by everybody. Like every reporter, ever covered him, every fan who ever met him, all that type of stuff, and ultimately it's these guys, these are reporters who are voting him into the Hall of Fame. And I think the fact that they like him and the fact that he deserves to be in could get him in on that first bout. I think Chipper Jones, a a lock to get in on that first bout and a well-deserved lock. I mean, I think you could argue, you know, after Mike Schmidt, maybe the best third baseman, you know, one of the best third basemen in the history of the game. Like, uh, on the top, like, top five third basemen in the history of the game, for sure, no question. Like, that's crazy to think about.
2: Yeah, but I mean you have Brooks Robinson who I never saw play. Right. But it was Mike also Schmidt. a big
1: defense, mostly defensive. I mean Eddie Matthews is a guy who pops up on the list. That's the point. Like, you know, like Chipper Jones, one of the best third of all-time. Chipper
2: Jones was uh probably the best hitter that all those all those Braves Phillies games that we grew up in for so many years that he played. I I remember being at the Vet for a Phillies game and my my buddy had uh had If you remember back at the old vet, when you had box seats in in the front, there were really boxes. And there were those metal boxes where you'd fit like four people in there. And that's where you could really get the foul balls or whatever. Uh There wasn't just like, you're in the second row. You're in the boxes. And I remember being at at an Atlanta game and we were on him all night long. Larry, Larry. (laughs) And he handled it so professionally. And like he knew that we were just idiot, like teenage kids and Mm -hmm. and we're doing stuff. But he was... um, One of the best hitters that that I've seen and just a, a great player and also just married a uh his third wife a playboy model this time good for you too so he's been he's good over for 2 we're hoping he goes 1 for 3 and my buddy Kevin McAlpin, who works for the Braves radio yep. raves about him as far as a guy
1: that's what i've heard you hear it everywhere like he was just a really good guy great loved guy. the game like cared about his teammates all that type of stuff and seems the stuff that you've seen from him at post career seems that way too like kind of funnier than you would have expected and stuff like that and I'm um, uh, everything you said, Echo. not a total douche like exactly. a lot of that's what baseball you players. Yeah, that's like what Pat, you pat to Bat. And you like know, it's funny too because when we think about the you know and those Braves teams, certainly in terms of extended dominance, the the best. Like run I've ever seen in my life. The fourteen years of winning the the divisions I've never seen that kind of. I mean the Patriots now I suppose up there in a different yeah, kind of way. Not baseball like exactly. that. Exactly, it's my point. Like we never saw anything like that, and probably never will again. You always think about those pitchers. Chipper was the guy who was there through all. Of it, he was you know? the he position was the, player. He was the guy. Like he was the guy. Because you know? think
2: about it. Of, of all the guys, they kind of rotated in and out. You had Brian Jordan's and Fred sure. McGriff, Brian Giles, and and. and and uh, who am I? Ryan
1: Klesko. You had, you had so many of those guys. You had
2: everybody. Think David about it. David Justice. Sure, they had different waves Kenny of players. Lofton was
1: there at one point? You know? I mean, he was an sure. important
2: player on that team. Yeah. There was there was different waves, but Chipper was always there. And you said that the pitchers were always there. Yep. everything else was kind of interchangeable. And he was he was there for good reason too because he was uh, he was a damn good hero. I remember having since James is probably Mister Baseball Card Man here, Jack Fritz. Big time. I remember having the number one draft pick card of Chipper. Yep. When he was he's a shortstop when he came out of high school. Yep. And they made him quickly made him into a third baseman, but I remember yep. having that. I don't know what happened to it, yeah. but that's when I first remember Chipper Jones. It's like, oh, Chipper Jones. Like I hated him from the start. Yep.
1: And then uh, and then Andrew Jones at the same time. Andrew and he Jones was like, these guys, from Aruba. These guys. Um, but yeah, look, uh, uh, no doubter for me, uh, Fritz. Uh, uh, real quick, and Omar Vizquel, I think an interesting one. Personally, I don't. I don't know if he's all-famer or not. He was certainly one of the best defensive players i ever saw in my life um i, I love those indians teams so I, I have a soft spot for him but i don't know if he's there or not the numbers put him there but a lot of that is the the longevity and stuff i don't know if i ever watched him play and said he was a no doubt hall of famer but um fritz tell everyone why mike Mussina should absolutely be in the hall of fame and it's ridiculous that he's not he's one of like
3: he's i think he has the most 20 win seasons ever right He's up there. I he's think like, he's like it's, tied for the most. It's like ridiculous. And like his stats compared to people who are getting in are just he's right there with them. So why isn't he not in? Because the number one
1: like is ERA is how He played for this guy pitching at least A- in the steroid era. Like the heart and he of was, the steroid era. He was
3: right behind the names of like Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, mm-hmm. Pedro Martinez, and then it was like Mussina. He wasn't in like that rage, which yep. is fine doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. The guy, mm. the guy had two had absolutely
1: no- all. 270 wins in his career. Not that I'm a big wins guy, but like- That's important It's point. an important ERA number. ERA
2: blew three twice in his career his first two And
1: that was because of, of that division, man. Like okay. a great po- postseason pitcher. What do you have, two Mucina, broken up in the Yeah, knife? Mike Mussina the most. That's why I brought him up, because- uh, until he gets in, he's going to be my passion project for someone who is not in there, who absolutely gets underrated. Every never won year. 20 other games. Other than, of course, His last
2: year he won 20 games. Other than,
1: of course, you know, the best hitter I ever saw is not in the Hall of Fame. But, like, who cares about that?
2: City was always a good pitcher. I never liked him because I never liked the Orioles. Me, too. But then he went to the Yankees. No, that was the
1: other thing, too. He never won because he was always the Orioles. So he never won the, you know, he never got. Over a certain level, and that really kind of hindered his.
2: I actually liked him with the Yankees because I was still. I still. I I liked the 95 Yankee team. I liked that era team. Mm -hmm. And when he came. When he came to the Yankees, I still was. I like some of the players. I was always a Jeter fan. Yeah, the core um, four
1: guys and all. Yeah, that. yeah.
2: He's not. Musina's not a guy that you do like that. You hate. I hated Roger Clemens. I hated uh, steroided up Jason Giambi. I there's a lot of players that came to the Yankees that I hated. Alex Rodriguez. Musina wasn't one of them. I did root for him. I yeah. just I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer or not.
1: He's a Hall of Famer. Underrated. <laughs> all right, we'll do some more Hall of Fame talk as that kind of comes around. Love and stuff. Hall of Fame. Me too. And it's so funny because I just said I hate it. It drives me crazy. But like I love it, and it's my own uh issues. All right, uh uh Marks, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Real quick,
2: the rule five draft's coming up in December, but the Phillies today. So here's how it works. They have forty players they can protect based on service time. A lot of the younger players they don 't have to protect because there 's a certain amount of time since they were drafted to where they don 't have to be protected but this year they they had some they had some a lot of the reasons why they made some of the trades is so they could remove guys from the forty man yep. roster and they could put some of these younger players on so the two i 'll just give you two names of guys that probably the two 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 highest profile guys that they didn 't put on the forty man roster. Are Andrew Poland and then Carlos Tochi, who are two uh, two outfield prospects, and um, and Polin could be a guy that gets taken, probably not though, but like you know Rule Five, it's kind of minutia, but it's also Shane Victorino was a Rule Five guy. Notable Herrera. Odebo Herrera was a, a Rule Johan Five guy. Santana's the most sure. notable. Rule 5 guys. so if you know what you're doing, more often than not is you draft a guy that sucks and he can't stay on the roster the whole year and then you have to offer him back. The Phillies took uh, Shane Victorino... And they couldn't keep him on the roster, so they offered him back to the Dodgers. And the Dodgers said, no, we don't want him. So he was able to send him the AAA. Yeah. Ended up working out for him. Yeah. So, again, this is another way where you can improve your team by selecting a guy and also protecting so he doesn't become that next guy that gets taken.
1: It's a great point. And then the concept of the Phillies, because they are not a fully formed 40 man roster, a fully formed you know 25 man roster for that matter, really? they do have the ability to take someone and potentially keep him on that 40 man and, and not necessarily. Necessarily, you know, lose that rule five pick that they make. So, um, yeah, a great point there. And Mark Appel, we forgot to mention. Yes, Mark Appel. would
2: the, Yeah, they 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 yanked a couple guys off the forty man roster to make room. Mm-hmm. And Mark Appel, who was uh, part of the
1: Vince uh, uh, Ken Giles, the Kenny Giles for trade, Vicky Velasquez, and Mark Appel and a bunch of sadness.
2: Well, the problem with Appel is that even though he started his Phillies career off well, it wasn't really true. Yeah. Uh, he was the first number one overall pick, and I think the only way he makes the majors is if he's a reliever. And even then, he just doesn't have good best enough case, stuff. Yeah, it's best case reliever, or maybe a, a crappy end of the rotation yep, guy. That's but
1: a shame. was taking ahead of Chris Bryant. Well, it's think crazy. about this: with
2: with all the the injuries and everything that the Phillies had last year they didn't even think about bringing him anyway, up he was hit some injury stuff too but man, they didn't you even got, think about you it
1: you got like you know Zach afflin starting a bunch of games you had henderson alvarez like literally back from the dead to pitch games at the they end of the season they took him out of,
2: they took him out of the independent league that's and he was my, yes, and he was starting like, literally, like, literally that's long that's what Island i mean Ducks. like
1: that's what i mean like so that i think that really tells you where they kind of viewed Appel from an organization. Also tells you
2: that they really do have a lot of nice-looking young arms that yeah. are coming up to where they're saying, like, hey, this guy's not going to be here, yeah. so let's just get him out of here and give these other guys opportunity. So it's a
3: good thing for the Phillies.
1: Fritz, final thoughts?
3: Yes, yeah, so international slot money. This, on the 40-man roster that came out today, four players were signed for under $100,000. And the international slot money it's very important i'm very passionate about it and if we can get international slot money at any time take it like the Jeremy helix deal perfectly fine get as much international slot money as you can because you're going to need it and you're getting steals for for a cheap amount of money
1: no that's what when when they made those deals to trade for that i, I said the same thing to marks at the time i was like market inefficiency like find something that other people aren't doing and go do it and and trading for those those dollars is something that no one else is done doing. a
3: really good job Finding some good like Sixto Sanchez, Donis Medina, Rader Suarez. Yeah, it's
1: a great point. Well, they they put roots down. You know, they they've said we're going to build. We're going to build roots in the Dominican Republic in these places, and we're going to actually have like real you know f- scouts there. And, and they starting
2: rotation in th- four years. I'll say is in the minor leagues right now. Yep pretty Noel is probably the one guy that's here the rest of the guys all high upside arms who knows what happens with Six O Sanchez you're talking about a guy that throws 101 miles an hour and is my size you know anything can happen with uh, with any of that but and Medina might be just as good Medina might be better because he has command of his pitches I mean that's what a lot of the Scouts say about Medina and Ranger Suarez is, is killing I love Ranger Suarez so, Romero? Jojo Romero, they
1: really do. They're lower levels that are arms, moving man. up.
2: They got in starting arms too, so that matters.
1: And that, well, that's everything, and that's the key. And and you never know if they'll they'll make it. You know where you want them to make it, but uh, certainly nice to have that upside. All right, uh, that'll do it for episode four. High, of hopes, high hopes, baby. It's right. Next week uh shortstop preview coming up next week. Uh, it'll be fun. I think that could be a lot I could do volatile, it right now. JP Crawford should
2: be the shortstop yes! and it shouldn't be Freddie. Yes. End the episode.
1: So that'll uh that'll do it again. Thank you to uh Newly uh, minted producer Jack Fritz, and again,
2: well, it's interim. He's the interim producer. Yeah, that's this true. Is
1: this He's is like prove a tryout himself. Could I like this. Lose this job. You're on a prove it deal here. Yeah, would you a be able to prove it? Deal? Hold on. I mean, would you be able to afford life if you lost the job? I don't want to like put you in a bad spot, you know. And the financially- only way you're getting
3: me off this board is if you trade me for international slot money, <laughs> or if you get the nighttime producing job.
1: <laughs> that, that works too. That works too. Either way, either way, we will make it work. So again, uh, thanks for listening. I hope we'll be back next week.